and like, you know, it's, it's an, I'm fine face and it's like mm-hmm. kind of an energetic armor in front of my heart. Yeah. And eventually he paused the exercise and he said, whatever that thing is you're doing in between these little vignettes, stop doing that. In this episode, we will talk about being seen, but not fully feeling at home while being on stage and appreciating silence. We'll dive right into Lori Smith's courageous story, where letting your guard down can lose some people, yet the most beautiful thing you can do for yourself. Be sure to listen in for all the details. Hello, my wonderful VCs. It's Tina, your host. Welcome to the Courageous Inner Beast, the place we get so charged up by calling in your inner beast. Today, you have Lori Smith. Hi, Lori, and please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Lori Smith. I'm an actor, a speaker, and a public speaking and leadership coach for sensitive visionaries, ambitious empaths, and loving rebels, all of whom have some mission that they're called to in order to speak more to make that soul's mission a reality. So what are you saying? Just kind of, kind of, I have a question on that. So does that mean you are... um based on what you know you present it goes deeper into like making pretty much having your voice be projected more is that what it is I just want to make sure um so even to me having your voice be projected more is way deeper than most people go with it like you know Mm -hmm. the number of times that I've had like a 300 had or observed like a 300 pound man telling someone just be louder um it is never that simple. Yes. Um, so it's a it's a deep process in order mm-hmm. to speak in a way that we can be heard. There's mind stuff, there's body patterns, energetic patterns. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of all it's all a deep integrated thing. Yeah. Because we're human beings. If it were as simple as raise your voice, yeah, then all of the people out there who've been told. Why don't you speak up more? You're not loud enough. Mm. Um, Why aren't you doing like public speaking more? You name it. If it were as simple as someone tells you and then you do it, (laughs) we would all have done it a lot quicker. Yes. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. I just wanted more clarity on it. Um, And so moving forward with this kind of segueing is what is, what is your one crazy story that you want to share today? Yeah. (laughs) It was so hard to pick one. Um, <laughs> and and I did. Uh, so my one courageous story, the one that I picked is kind of the one that's actually at the root of any other moments of courage that I could have shared. It enabled some others that happened after it to be possible. Yeah. So I mentioned I'm an actor. When I was around 30, maybe 31 years old, I was in my favorite acting class of all time. And most of the time in this acting class, there would be two to four, maybe even five of us up working on a scene. And then the other seven to 10 people in class would be watching five. Yeah. On this one day, it was the only time I remember in my whole time in this acting class, other than like working on an audition, Mm-mm-mm. where I was up there all by myself. Wait, why? Wait, what was it? Was it? Was it just you 
everyone else was absent that day i was um they were all they were all watching so instead of like two to five of us working at a time and the other people learning by watching yeah it was me doing an exercise mostly by myself with other people kind of jumping up for a second and then sitting back down Um, and it's kind of um, like tag team kind of like you go in you say a line then just go back yeah like give me some kind of a prompt and then they would sort of leave so it was like I was the center of attention in this and I I don't remember why um all these years later I don't even remember what I was working on at that time (laughs) um I remember in between all these little scenarios that were happening I kept pulling myself back together and kind of like putting on that I'm fine face ah Um, yes I remember we had a conversation about that yes yeah um and like you know it's it's an I'm fine face and it's like Mm -hmm. kind of an energetic armor in front of my heart and eventually he paused the exercise and he said, whatever that thing is you're doing in between these little vignettes, stop doing that. Mm. And I said, I'm not that comfortable having everyone's eyes on me. Mm-hmm. And he kind of smiled and said, well, then you've picked a strange set of careers for yourself. <laughs> like, you're an oh, actor. Why are you here? Why yeah. are you here? Like, why are yeah. you here? Right. Um, and I and I realized kind of from that that I had had a love-hate relationship with being seen. It was like I wanted to be seen. And when it came, it made me very uncomfortable. Everywhere from like the stage to working an office job as an executive assistant. Yeah. When I would be seen, particularly if I was feeling vulnerable there was the hate of the love hate it was like it's, i want to be seen but only when i'm feeling good it sounds like like you want to be seen but not too much of yourself like it's there's like a, a cutoff cutoff of being seen that you're most comfortable if not then ah, yeah. get out of the way don't be near me don't be near me yeah. yeah yeah and when he said part of you wants this he also said part of you knows you're meant to be here And I sort of came in up until five years old, like knowing I was here to do something. Yeah. And then like many of us, like the world takes a hold of us and we get shitted all over, like my first coach used to say. (laughs) Um, And we drift away from that knowing of what we're here for. So when he said that, it was like my soul heard him. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. And I also really deeply trusted him and the space that he held. Yeah. So when he would pause and ask me to do something, I would it would usually take a couple minutes of what exactly is it that you're asking for. So the courageous part is that I risked, even though it felt energetically and it was like my mind trusted him and I sort of understood the point and I understood Yes, mm-hmm. part of me does know I belong here. Yeah. My heart, my emotional self, and like viscerally, it almost felt like there's danger here. Like I'm going to explode or somebody in the room is going to explode if I let these emotions rip. Yeah. It's, and no. yeah. Yeah. Good. Yes. <laughs> I'm just like, 
yeah, yes. been there, you know, raise your hand if you've been there more than once. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Um, so I courageously stepped back into the exercise and consciously was like releasing the I'm fine mask mm -hmm. and the jaw tension and the energetic armor in front of my heart. And in this second half, as the exercise continued, yeah. I remember feeling like fiery in some moments and cold as ice in other moments. Yeah. And it was like a lifetime of this protective tension and energetic armor was just melting away. Mm. And when the exercise was over and I looked out at the other 11 members of my class, I could see and feel what kind of day every single one of them was having without any words. And now I say, yeah, you know, it was my, it was my first moment of oneness that lasted beyond when the acting was over. I was having sneaky moments from like seven to 31 yeah. of feeling that state of oneness with other actors and with audiences, as long as I was in character. It was like, Ooh. I could let Lori's defenses down as long as I still had like, you I know, think. I'm I'm secretly hiding behind the character. Uh, so like, you're, so what you're saying that even if you put your mask down, just I want to reiterate, just putting your mask down, you're still, the other mask is your character of when you're acting. So it's not fully unmasked. Yeah. Yourself. I mean, after this moment, my yeah. acting actually changed. So I yeah. think up until this moment, I thought I was releasing the Lori masks in yeah. order to be the character. Yeah. And after this moment, it was like, oh, there's like a whole nother layer of like, I don't need you to see me in any certain way. I'm just like everything that I am. Mm -mm. is here to serve the character and I can be I don't care how you see me I'll 100% give myself in service of the character so that that ability to like remove any kind of protection to really yeah. be emotionally and energetically naked yeah was really transformed and deepened by that moment in class and that moment, I'm reminded of it all the time when I go to step on stage and particularly when I'm working with clients these days, that moment led through many others, which led me to shift from being an acting instructor, mm -hmm. which I thought I would be forever. And I <laughs> still do on occasion to running a business being this deeper, more holistic, soul-driven public speaking coach for other really sensitive, empathic, light, light bringers, soul workers, like <laughs> people that have something for the planet that yeah. at this time in history, it's like we need to hear from the people that have been hiding. Mm. And I've 
been drawn in little whispers along the way to work with them and had an aha when I was working on my website in in the middle of the pandemic. What was that? What was the aha that during the pandemic that you had? The aha during the pandemic was that this story came back up and I was like, oh, for my people, the public speaking is really about being seen. Yeah. That's the doorway to our, each of us have our own personal charisma. Like some people will tell you that charisma is something that some people have and others don't. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I believe if there's 8.3 billion people on the planet, (laughs) there's 8.3 billion different flavors of charisma. Mm -hmm. So if we're trying to be like someone else because we think they're charismatic, that's not the way and it's not going to work. The path is allow yourself to be seen and then your charisma shines. In In their own definition, own flavor. Of it. their own flavor just like fingerprints yeah. Yeah. yeah oh man yeah it's no I believe that too the charisma every I think even not just with charisma but any any word is based on their own definition their own flavor of it it does it's not a one size fit all for every yeah. single person and there's some part of the I'm assuming there's probably like similarities and then that's like your people that you come up with like yeah let's do this you know (laughs) yeah um and so i actually i want to go back a little bit because with regarding your acting you know Mm -hmm. you said that you your acting change after that moment with your instructor Mm -hmm. like how you said so before that you would have two masks like Mm lori down and then character up how was it after the fact Yeah. Um, So a metaphor that I've used a lot is it's like if we have a lot of masks, it's Mm -hmm. like I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt and I'm going to play a queen in the Elizabethan time and I'm putting the queen's outfit on on top of the jeans and the t-shirt. Yeah. So the queen is there, but there's something muddying it a little bit. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And I think by the time that moment happened, it was a little bit like, you know, if instead of being emotionally and energetically completely naked and unmasked, it was like, I still had underwear on. I still had just a little (laughs) bit of protection there. Yeah. And that was one more layer of letting go of the masks. And, you know, in order to explain it, um, after that moment, a couple people that hadn't seen me in many years came to see me live in a play, one of which my mom came to see a play, and it had been a while. And she afterwards said, you looked so at home up there. And I had never looked that at home up there. And then shortly afterwards, somebody else saw me giving a speech so mm-hmm. no character at all. Yeah. And she went, yeah, you you really looked at home there too. Like you just look comfortable, like you're present in your body and you could be like having a party with a bunch of friends. Yeah. Um, and and both of those people, I'm, I'm a big talker. I'm a verbal processor. I love having one-on-one conversations. 
So sometimes people who see or hear podcasts think, oh, she must be an extrovert. I'm actually not. I'm an introvert, highly sensitive person, an empath. And my mom and this friend who commented have seen me when I go like out in public, say mm -hmm. to a party with people that I don't know, especially back then, it would be shocking to people who had only seen me in small groups of close friends because I would go really silent and just sort of like cling to the wall, a wallflower, a wallflower or follow like one or two friends that I already knew around the room. Yeah. Um, so when they said you looked up home up there, like you were having a, a gathering or a party, a small party with a couple friends when there's like, 50 to 200 people in the room that was huge yeah oh wait when what did they mean well i guess what did they mean by home mm. or or what is your definition of home yeah um what i believe my definition of home is home is here <laughs> yeah home is in your own skin Mm -mm. Um, it's not the house that you live in. It's like, this is my, the, the home of my soul is my body. So if I'm present and comfortable in my own skin, no matter who's in the room, yeah, then they're going to say, oh, you looked at home. You look comfortable, vibrant, alive, present, yeah. rather than like, disconnected yeah. and spinning around in our own heads and then just trying to give out information as much as we can but not really feeling it within ourselves yes yeah yeah and we think my clients and me yeah we can get seduced into thinking that the information is what's valuable mm -hmm. when really it's our presence that is valuable and the information is like the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, and I'll do just a tiny little side story. Yes. I had laryngitis as I was leading to opening up a play. Mm -hmm. So I was canceling everything on my calendar <laughs> and going on what is known as vocal rest, where you like wear a sign around your neck and you don't talk except for when you have to for the play. Yes. With one exception. I led a class in my speaker's studio and I let it without saying a word. I let it in complete silence. Ooh. Wait, was this after after starting your coaching business? Oh yeah, or was this was like two weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this was like two weeks ago. Um, oh, so oh, it's cool, cool. It was on Zoom. Yeah. So I did type some things in the mm. Zoom chat, but for the most part, I talked literally not at all. And I chatted even in the chat much less than I normally do as the person holding the space. Yeah. And they commented on how they could still feel me there holding the space for them. Mm -hmm. And they also commented on how they were like rising up and finding their voices and talking more and supporting each other more. And it ended up being this magical accident. Uh, one of them texted me afterwards and put like, oh my God, that was amazing or something like that. Um, 
and I've decided that I'm going to potentially do one silent day per trimester forever, just because of how magical and what happened. Yeah. And it was a beautiful reminder for me that I can now also share with all of my clients. Really, when I say your presence is what's important. Yeah. This is a story of that. I led a class where I only typed into the chat and everybody reminded me that my presence was what was more important than the things I was saying in the chat. So what you're saying, even if you didn't talk a lot during, was it, you said it was a workshop or? Um... It, uh, it was, I have uh, something that, I have a thing called the speaker's studio, which is kind of like a, master's program for actors yeah. but it's for speakers yeah um so it was our weekly class time oh, okay and so pretty much since you were just you were typing but even not that much either you led but also you your presence encourage everyone else to speak and can feel that you're holding that you're just reiterating like holding space for them and yeah and i honestly even as you were talking about that i felt i felt it like I felt yeah. the presence of like the strongness of giving that space for all for everyone and yeah. I love that yeah. it's and it's also like you said every trimester however long you're thinking like once once every trimester or so I think that's a great idea great thing to do because sometimes I think at least here in America we're always on the hustle and we're always talking all the yeah. time and silence and the presence of your silence is body language is so we yeah. I can't even describe it <laughs> so because it's yeah. that strong within yeah yeah and yeah I don't know it's and just sharing that too it's it's so great so how is it um how is that tied now so it was two weeks ago so how how many people did, how many people commented on that experience? Um, everyone that was in the class commented on it as it was happening. And I did yeah. share it on social media and I, I don't remember how many, <laughs> um, but a couple people commented on the social media post also. So I'm a big believer in, in energy like yeah. if you're really aligned with your soul's purpose, mm -mm. those tend to be the social posts where people are actually like all of a sudden they're people are paying attention to it. And like somehow it's rising to the top of their Instagram feed when the one that you posted the week before that you took all this work to try to craft, nobody's noticing it. So yes. Oh, okay. So you're saying the one that you take a lot of time with, it's I guess not a lot of not a lot of views, likes, or whatnot. But the yeah. ones that was really a, based on your presence, everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, Lori, this is like this is what I needed. This is what I wanted to hear. Thank you, yeah. thank you." Yeah. And does that how is that also tied to where you are now in regards of like making sure? That you're being seen and everyone else is being seen and also your clients yeah I mean I think in a weird way in that class oddly everybody was actually being seen more mm. 
because there was a bit more silence. So they they were being seen more both during those potent silences and when they were adding their voice in more. Mm -hmm. And I was really being seen because I wasn't talking at all. Yeah. Yeah. How was, uh, so that was two weeks ago. So how was the play now? So when was the, is the play started yet or? The play has started. Yes, the play. So that was a Wednesday, two weeks ago. Yeah. And then the play opened that Saturday. So the play opened on the 21st. Uh Um, and I, I did all the right thing. You know, my voice it's, there's still like 5% of a little something in my voice where no one else can hear it, but I can hear it sounds a little different to me. Um, like it's not, I'm not a hundred percent recovered. Um, like there's some leftover laryngitis that no one else could ever hear, but I can hear there's still a little bit of something that's not quite fully. However, on stage, no one could tell. <laughs> like my husband was there on opening night and he yeah. was like, when you're out on stage, you sound great. No one can tell that you had some vocal issues. Mm-mm-mm. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, I've moved it out of the view of you, but I have like a steam machine that you put your face over. I was drinking tea, tons of water, um, different Qigong things that someone gave me, like every single thing that you can do to help get your voice back. And until Sunday, the 22nd, Mm -mm. after the show was over, I barely talked at all except for the show. Mm, so it has to be you have to rest your voice even after you play or is there like multiple multiple plays that you I mean not what I mean it's like multiple times at the same play um yes so the play is still performing so it's mm. Friday Fridays and Saturdays at eight o'clock Sundays at two uh, three o'clock um and today we're recording this on Halloween uh we have a special 9 p.m halloween performance because this the play is like a spooky two different spooky one act plays put together so we're doing a special halloween performance um i'm obviously talking outside of doing the play now and for a while there i would sound good when the play started Mm -hmm. and i would make it through and i would sound a little bit more like squeaky or frog voiced or raspy when it was over So I wasn't doing any talking outside of doing the play. Like when I got to the building, I would talk to people. And when I left the building, I would come home and like mime with my husband and not actually talk or type. (laughs) It's like, hi, "Hi, honey, but just like not saying anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to go. Yeah. And then, so even right now too, even as it's going, we're communicating this. Are you still resting your voice even after? as well or how long is the la- laryng i can't pronounce it laryngitis laryngitis um it's i think most most people would call it over at this point mm-hmm. it's just like i can feel like a little something feels weird so okay. i'm speaking all the time now and i'm still being very very careful yeah. um there is a point in the play where something startles us and we all scream and for 
two and a half weeks, I didn't scream. I just mm. gasped. Like I inhaled air and I let everybody else scream. And then I think it was either Friday night or Saturday night last week. I actually screamed. Like I didn't tell myself I was going to do it that day, but the moment happened in the play <laughs> and I actually screamed and there's a healthy, I mean, being trained in voice for the theater, there's a healthy way to scream. Yes. You got to make sure that you have a lot of breath in your body when you do it. Um, more like the mechanics of singing. Yeah. And that just kind of happened and the scream came <laughs> out and my voice sounded exactly the same afterwards. Yeah. So that's probably the point where most people would say, okay, you were officially recovered at that point. And yet it still feels and sounds just like 5% off Yeah. to me. Yeah. And so you said, it, so for it, that's really, usually last two weeks or three weeks for it and then eventually recover from that you recover from that it kind of depends on the person I looked it up on the internet and I think it said seven days is like the minimum for most mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. um and within within seven days like on the seventh day that was our opening night yeah. and I walked in and I said hello to somebody and they were like oh my god you sound great <laughs> and yet when the show was over it's, it's a little bit like, you know, the larynx is a muscle and has muscles in it, just like an ankle. Yeah. So players of basketball or football, they can play on an ankle that's bad. And in order to do that, they're doing all kinds of things like icing it more and getting body work from the trainers. Whereas if the season is over, they would actually really rest the ankle and not get on it at all. Yeah. And that's a little bit like, you know, if I got laryngitis when I didn't have a play, I might've gone completely silent for five days and been a hundred percent healed. Yeah. But yes, I had rehearsals every single one of those days. So it's like you heal a little slower because you're still using the muscles. Yeah. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah, that makes total sense. And thank you honestly sharing that, sharing all this. And yeah. also sharing your story of um, the one, the one moment in your acting class where your teacher was like, "Okay, Laurie, not today. We're not gonna do that. We're gonna, yeah, shed everything and then show up for yourself." Yeah. And so, if based on everything how it is now, what is your one takeaway that you like to share with the audience? Yeah, my one takeaway from this is that being seen actually begins with a choice. Mm -hmm. We choose to let people see us more and then they might see us more. We want to be seen and yet a lot of us are out there like, why doesn't anybody notice me? Yeah. And I did not realize until that moment in the acting class, it begins with my choice, my choice to let down the guard and show up fully and be seen. Mm. And, and when we do that, other people around us start to actually see us and notice us and hear us and notice when we're wanting to chime in in a conversation. 
because we're letting them see us. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense with the making a choice. Cause I'm also like thinking too, is even if you, even if I were to show up and make that choice to be seen and the other person is like, no, I don't like what I'm seeing. I want to go the other way, you know? So, but it's not, but then that's not on us because we're being true to ourselves. And with that, we're, like you said, we're making a choice to be seen, putting down that guard, putting down that mask. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you also just reminded me, um, we sometimes have a, it's like the reason we're putting on the masks is we're consciously or unconsciously trying to be what we think other people want from us in order to like us or accept us. Yeah. And I remember it was probably a moment around this time with that acting instructor, him saying something like, you're probably afraid that you're going to lose some people if you really show up as you. And he said, I think you'll find that the opposite is true of all the right people. Yes, some people may fall away from your life when you really start showing up as yourself. Mm -mm -mm. And the people who really do truly love you and accept you for who you are. They will stay, they will be drawn closer and more of those types will be drawn into your world. And now it's been like 20 years. He was absolutely right. It's true of like friends, loved ones, you know, romantic partners, business partners and clients. Yeah. The more we choose to be seen as our true selves, the more we end up surrounded with the people who can like also do that too. Yeah. They can be themselves and they love and accept us and admire us and respect us for who we really are rather than to me, it's like the mask is like sending out a muddied signal (laughs) where it's like, we're not really the mask and and we're not really ourselves. So it's kind of like, it's a watered down, it's not either thing. It's a watered down version of something. Yeah. All well said, really. <laughs> and, I, and I also, I think also like hearing what you said, it's also a personal thing for me too, of like being seen. And mm-hmm. that's what it, it is what it is. Like I'm, I'm afraid to show my true self and yeah. losing the people who's already, who is already in my life. But what you said, it's a deep reminder to myself that I shouldn't let myself close myself off like that just to keep them in my life. Yeah. So, yeah. And sometimes people that you already have in your life, it's like you get deeper and even closer and they do, you know, it's not like everybody. In reality, it was like a couple friends. We just sort of grew apart. Yeah. And everybody else in my life we got deeper and even closer and more connected yeah yeah Mm. like i'm I'm just like really just feeling all of this you know and it's it resonates so much and so thank you thank you so much Lori, for sharing your story sharing your wisdom and sharing everything right now and i'm like also grateful because this is a is a great reminder for me as well 
So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved our conversation. I love it too. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening in. And if you enjoy this conversation, please review wherever you're listening and look out for new episodes every Tuesday on the Courageous Inner Peace. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoy our conversation and would like to know more about Lori Smith, please tune in the show notes for more information and for the links. <laughs>